Hey, good afternoon, and thank you all for joining us today on our weekly ship show again. My co-host and partner in crime, Anthony D'Ambrosio, is out for the day, so I'm going to be taking the wheel this week solo. And if you're new to our show, my name is Jason Brand. I'm the Director of Outreach and Partner Development here at Supply Chain Solutions. So Supply Chain Solutions, or SES as we like to call ourselves, is a complete one-stop shop for all of your logistics needs. We ship to and from more than 160 different countries on a yearly basis, and we handle everything from the carrier management, the customs documentation, the tariff and delivery needs and requirements, and more. We operate more than a million square feet of warehouse space throughout the North American continent and beyond. And now with our recent acquisition of G4 Logistics, we offer some of the most reliable Mexico to U.S. or U.S. to Mexico cross-border services in the business. And, you know, while I can go on and on about how our company's grown and developed to what it is today, the best way to see if you're a good fit for our organization is just giving us a call, learning more and discussing what our capabilities are. So that being said... We've got a crazy interesting topic this week, and we're going to dive into it. That is the LTL market in a post-yellow world. And namely, what is going on and what <clears throat> excuse me, you and your teams should be expecting for the remainder of this year and next year. So if you watched our last week's show, you know we're trying to make these episodes go from start to finish in only like 15 to 20 minutes. And last week, we failed completely miserably. We went over the 30-minute mark. So without further delay, let's dive right in. And first of all, I missed I missed my haircut. So that's why I've got my hat back on. Um, it, it would just be a wild wilderbeast situation. But anyways, let's get this thing going. So to start us off, if you've been shipping LTL lately, or even if you've been shipping in general lately, there has been, in my opinion, a few misleading articles that have been coming out discussing that volumes have been improving more than expected during this holiday season. And while these articles really aren't that wrong, they are misleading in my opinion. And that is, you know, it just has to do with this onslaught of data that we in logistics realm have access to and we're parsing through on a daily basis. And you can kind of make inferences in that data that, you know, are correct, but might be slightly incorrect or might be misleading when it comes to overall trends or where we're going. So just keep that in mind. I caution you to take some of those recent articles because I've been seeing them with a grain of salt because most of what our teams have been looking at, have been seeing, and what we've been discussing week over week here has been a very different story. Uh, but the demise of yellow, it, it really has this feeling of tight capacity and that has spread throughout the industry. So, you know, it, not to discredit that, but there really is a feeling there that is different. But let's dissect that. Let's dive into it. So, you know, if we think about this market in general, yellow officially collapsed on July 28th of this year. And while there was a substantial lead up to the event, which involved the potential U.S. government debt assistance, um, as well as that looming strike, which was going on for months from the Teamsters who were employed at the yellow facilities. Really, if you look at July 28th, that's the day when the operations stopped moving. So since then, as you'd expect, less than truckload companies or LTL companies, they have been reporting higher shipment counts. And it is great because honestly, the market sector was limping, limping. An important question that has to be answered is how is all of this new volume like affected the market? Is it all from yellow or was there actually a change during this, which is generally a peak season standpoint, has the demand side of the, the equation also been changing at the same time, right? So did yellow just dissipate? Is that all this new feeling or is there actually new demand out there that's kind of buried within all of that yellow freight? And this is really where I'd like to remind you again to caution some of those articles you might be seeing. Since 
We're going to take a closer look at some of the LTL numbers, and you really may be surprised. So right off the bat, um, the CFO at Old Dominion Freight said, and I'm going to quote this, we're not seeing any sign of true inflection in the economy at this point. So Old Dominion Freight Line, um, I'm going to refer to it as a couple different things, but ODFL is going to be one of the things. It's the second largest U.S. LTL provider. And despite the company adding over 3,000 new shipments a day back in August and still seeing heavy year-over-year increases, if we look at, well, when we consider month-over-month increases, if you look at September and October as well, ODFL isn't convinced that we're actually in the middle of a freight recovery. So what the company hasn't been seeing, and this was also quoted by the CFO, is healthy shipment weights. He essentially went out to say that, you know, we are seeing more shipments, but the average shipment weights don't compare to the highs we've seen when the LTR market was at its prime. Um, interesting factor. I love the fact he was looking at that. He also went on to go and talk about, you know, are we really shipping more widgets? Are there more widgets in the system? And, you know, he didn't really answer that, but the 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 clear thing was, no, there is not. So, you know, if we look at Old Dominion, and even if they are right, that there is no increase in the current shipping freight market, the laws of supply and demand are still at play here. And the sudden loss of Yellow's capacity back in July has really just been the catalyst that the market needed for raising LTL rates to a healthy point. Now, unfortunately, if you were part of the Yellow network during the company's demise, you personally saw the highest rate hikes. As many other LTL carriers were forced to make changes to their operations this year to account for the lower than normal demand. And the reality of the situation is that the redistribution of Yellow's customers to the LTO market required other players to redeploy idled capacity. They have also had to rehire drivers, some of which were previously laid out earlier in the year. And all of this has equaled a higher than normal cost, which was passed on, unfortunately, to that segment of shippers that were with Yellow to the end. Now, you know, obviously, um, this is partially due to this, but it's also due to the changes in supply and demand. So throughout the network, the U.S. producer price index for long-distance LTL trucking rose by 5.3%, and that was from July through September of this year. Um, you can actually take a look at AFS Freight, actually, AFS, AFS Logistics, actually, as a specific example, and their rate per pound rose by 2.2% sequentially throughout the third quarter. Now, Kevin Day, he's the president of AFS. He said in a statement that if Yellow had gone out of business a little bit earlier, so imagine back in May 1st or June 1st, that 2.2% number would have been substantially higher. But the reason why it was so, it's 2.2% versus, let's say, a 5% is because rates were so much lower prior to Yellow's demise that it really was drawing that percentage down. And you know, obviously the reason's abundantly clear here, as we've mentioned this before, you know, you, you take yellow out of the equation, you've got tighter supply, that's going to be driving prices higher. And this is just simply because you've got the same amount of freight, but you've got a smaller number of carriers. So if you look at yellow, yellow's four LTL subsidiaries, they handled about 7% of the total US LTL shipments in 2022 by volume. Yellow at the time was the fifth largest LTL provider. And while the collapse of yellow did help with the big guy shipping numbers, the remaining top four carriers, which were FedEx Freight, it was ODFL, XBO, Estes Express, and T-Force, they all saw thousands of new daily shipments or monthly shipments. And this continued from August, October, September. But it was really the smaller guys who were the big winners of the situation. So the smaller regional carriers after yellow's demise, while you look at the big 
the big guys, for example, um, o ODFL was doing around 44,000 shipments um, a day and they moved up to 47,000. The, uh, you know, and you can you can kind of do the, the mental math of what percentage increase that be. The smaller LTL carriers after Yellow's demise, a lot of them grew by double digit percentages, which is, you know, quite frankly, fantastic, a good redistribution throughout the market. So, you know, if we think about this, let's talk about this. What do you, the shipper, need to know about this just titanic shift in the LTL market happening right now? And really, if I'm going to think about it, it's mainly a few things. So obviously, you need to know about the price hikes. Those, they're going to continue happening this year, and they're going to continue happening next year. So let's talk about that for a second. Many of the LTL carriers, they've made it kind of clear of their new price expectations for the next year. And they've been doing so through earlier than usual general rate increases. So a great example of this happened um, last week on Tuesday. Saya announced a 7.5% average GRI for 2024. And then FedEx Freight just last month announced a 5.9% GRI. Now, these do not apply to contract freight. But the point here is they're sending these GRIs out early and it's starting to send a message that what you're going to need to expect for the next contract season. So, you know, you'd expect that given Yellow ceased their operations all the way back in July, that this freight shuffle that's been happening where shippers need to get their freight covered by other carriers, you'd assume by this point it'd be complete. But what's very fascinating is it really is not at this point. And there's been two major service trends that have been occurring since Yellow collapsed, and they're still happening today. So the first thing is that previously Yellow shipments that have been moved to these new LTL providers, a lot of them are seeing their accounts now under scrutiny. So this is just like what we saw, and FedEx was a big player in this back during the pandemic, where when it was the peak of LTL, less profitable freight was less profitable freight was being trimmed out of these networks. The same thing is happening right now. And the largest carriers are trying to make room for the best cargo. Now, this is incredibly frustrating, especially if you're a shipper who's feeling left out and it's during a down cycle in the market. The smaller carriers have been doing a great job of picking up the slack. That has been seen by those double digit increases. And what you should expect is over the course of the next couple quarters, the larger carriers will step back up. And after they kind of iron out their capacity imbalances, like I mentioned earlier, because you do have to remember back in 2020, well, 2022, 2021, once things started opening up again, the LTL market was on fire. And then when we started this year, I mean, it, a lot of people didn't see it as quickly as they needed to. And that's simply because, for example, the Europe to East Coast lane was still on fire at the beginning of this year. But when you looked at the trucking market, you saw just a, a really bad situation. Obviously, yellow was a casualty of that situation. And, you know, it, a lot of these companies, a lot of the big players were restructuring themselves in order to, you know, manage their costs during a down cycle. And so when yellow left the game, what happened is all of these carriers didn't really have the capacity readily available to deal with this influx of capacity. And so as a result, and like I kind of discussed, the cost for taking on business that they normally would have been able to handle was more expensive. So those costs were obviously passed on. I'm not trying to defend the large LTL carriers in not handling some of the less profitable cargo, but it's kind of a sequ sequential thing. They really want to focus on the most profitable cargo as they redeploy capacity, they rehire. Obviously, you know, um, some of the larger LTL and parcel carriers are dealing with some of these union negotiations, so their costs have gone up as well. But as they can start to manage costs, expect they're going to be re-reaching out to that less desirable cargo and trying to reattract that back. Now, 
We haven't seen these double digit increases in regional carriers in a while. And um, it's really good for those carriers because there is evidence pointing to small carriers that capture some of this regular business are likely to hang on to this business for longer than a larger carrier. So, you know, the real question is by giving up capacity at a critical time, did the larger LTL carriers permanently isolate a segment of the market, which they will have a very hard time re-entering when they're looking to grow in the future? Something very big that you should be considering. Um, now, let's see here. So we have obviously the situation where it's been frustrating for the less than desirable cargo, but there's a second trend going on since July, and that is it's service. Service needs and service demands and the focus of carriers versus shippers has all changed. Now, realize a lot of shippers ended up paying more. As soon as yellow went under, obviously redistribution, if you're part of that network, you got slapped into a transactional realm, you were paying more for freight. Now, on top of that, shippers paying more became, they said, okay, you, you can charge me more, but I want good service, right? You're also leaving Yellow, who at the same time was, you know, notably a very low cost LTL carrier and going to a traditionally more expensive LTL carrier. So you expected service to improve. That didn't actually happen. There's been a huge influx of service delays happening at all of the big guys. It's been delays in pickups, delays in deliveries, more claims being processed. And I'd love to get the data on this. And it is out there, but I got to go carrier by carrier. So I'd love to share that with you in the coming weeks. But it's been a humongous influx. It's been very frustrating for shippers. And it's continued the redistribution. Because you imagine someone was able to get into the, LT the FedEx freight network, let's say, as an example didn't get the service they were expecting and needed. Now they're going to jump into another network. So all this redistribution wasn't a one-stop change. It's been a multiple fasted change. So the changing is still occurring right now. And that is one of the major reasons. Now, my goal here is to nail the time limit. And I'm already about a minute, a minute out. So I want to quick, I want to quick talk about one thing real fast. So obviously the freight shift has not settled quite yet. Expect much higher rates next year for contract rates. We're already seeing the GRIs going out for transactional rates. Um, interesting fact is despite the 7%, because that's what that's what Yellow and its subsidiaries were holding, 7% of all the shipments getting dispersed into the rest of the market, all of the big LTL carriers are still down year over year. So despite ODFL being 3,000 shipments more per day, they're still more than 3% down from last year. So it's a very interesting kind of conundrum here, but you are seeing still rates hiking. Now, I wanna end with this note though. So you've got all these service concerns, you've got all these rate increases, but I think it's very important to remember, yellow didn't just vanish from the face of the earth. All of their assets are still out in the market. And actually there are 170 terminals are currently but it's, it's, it's an auction situation. So Estes right now has the staking bid or the stocking bid. Um, Estes has got a $1.5 billion bid on the 170 terminals. But um, there's a couple other players maybe looking to jump in. And imagine what's going to happen if all of this freight is redistributed, but another player decides to enter the game exactly where Yellow left off with Yellow's assets. 170 terminals for $1.5 The estimate is it could be going as high as $3 billion. There is talk about the terminals being in really bad shape. Um, a lot of the, uh, it's, it's estimated around $29 million in repairs needed across the major major terminals. Um, but still, 
if a carrier or if a new player comes in, buys up the terminals, and then next year the trucks are going to be um, liquidated, this could be another titanic shift to a market that's been really volatile this year. So keep that in mind. We'll talk about that in the future. November 28th is when the auction happens for those 170 terminals. But trying to keep it between 15 and 20, and we succeeded. I hope you enjoyed this show. We're going to talk again next week. Thanks so much. Bye.